and welcome to episode four of the Eden Project Communities podcast. The weather outside may be bleak this week, but we're here to brighten up your day with the dulcet tones of myself, Jack French, and my co-host, Stevie Green. Hey Stevie, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you Jack. How are you? I'm good, I'm starting to dry out, it's a bit miserable outside, the weather's been pretty pretty grim all day, but yeah, no, I'm more than happy. Well, it's June and we've got the heat now. I know. <laughs> Well, uh, as long as it was, it's the rains come down this weekend as opposed to last weekend. True, true. So yeah, I mean, we did have the big lunch last weekend. Well, this is you know this is something that I wanted to bring up. So for this episode, we've had a, a bit of a late changeover. We were going to talk about the big lunch this week, uh, which of course happened on the weekend of the first and second of June, uh, and hopefully next week we will have some statistics to look back on and give you a bit more context and insight into you know, the reasons why the Big Lunch uh, is so vital and, and how it performed this year. So uh, instead of talking about the Big Lunch this week, we're going to be talking about connected communities and about the things that make them tick. Um, we've got two really excellent case studies lined up for the episode. So without prattling on too much, we'll just dive straight in. So yeah, our first guest is someone well known to us here at Eden. Uh, her name is Dervla Reynolds. Now, Dervla lives in a small village just outside Belfast, and she works in an interesting area of food development, which is all about fermented foods. We were lucky enough to have her pop by the office last month, so she could shed some light on exactly what it means and how she has brought her community together through it. Okay, well, my name is Dervla Reynolds and I live in a little village outside the city of Belfast called Hollywood. It's beside the sea, um, a very nice neighbourhood and um, I live there but work in the city and my work involves working with food and educating people about a rather niche area of food, which is how to ferment your food for not only um, a difference in taste, but a difference in um, the health benefits of the food. How, how did you get into that? Kind of by accident, really, like yeah. all the great things. Uh, I was working in the arts before that, and um, I suppose needed to look at my own diet, just in terms of my own well-being. Um, I wasn't feeling so great, and started to look at... Uh, cleaning up my dad a little bit, you know, not eating kind of certain things and read an article about, uh, it was from an American magazine and it was about fermenting ketchup. So making ketchup, ketchup probiotic. Um, I would have a background in understanding medical language and, and ailments. My dad was a pharmacist. I was supposed to be a pharmacist, <laughs> but I ended up running away to art college as you do, and we've all, uh, we've all been there, a bit of rebellion. But I uh, understood what the term probiotic would be and what that would do for you. Uh, so I decided, well, I can you know read up about this, learn a little bit more about it, and kind of just fell into a big, wonderful world of learning about these foods, what they do, how these foods affect you health-wise. And yeah, it, it kind of was literally like... And it was a, an absolute career change when I discovered it. I knew exactly that's what I needed to do, what I needed to learn, what I needed to understand, and what I needed to then educate. And when, when did you start doing that? 
2012, exactly, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had actually probably come across that article the year before um, or a year and a half before and immediately started to implement it into my life, not the ketchup, but other <laughs> other aspects to it. Um, really felt the benefits and actually, you know, nearly like a total transformation. Mm. I nearly feel sorry for that person that didn't know about it because I all of a sudden felt physically very well mentally very well I was very clear in my thoughts um, I had a very different mood I was kind of a very yeah. you know just my mood immediately changed um, so I really felt that the, f- the food was certainly doing what it, it was promising to do and how, how long was it between you starting that and wanting to sort of bring it to you know more people bring it to more people um I can. I actually really clearly remember the. It was like I. I kind of was told to do it by something else. You know, I would walk to get my kids from school and have this narrative of you know people kept asking me what I was doing different because I looked different and you know it felt like my skin was different and um, people were curious. So I had this narrative of how it would be if I were to teach it, uh, and I'd say. I'd say it was maybe about eight months into it being completely part of my life that I went, I just can't keep this information to myself any longer. And I'm being asked too many questions. So mm. I've got to I've got to set up some way of teaching people and sure. educating people and letting them taste the food without them all landing into my kitchen, so to speak, yeah. um, which they were doing anyway. But So was um, it quite well received at first then? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like most things that ripples out from your immediate audience. So you know, what I would find would be parents at school wanted to know and then they started to get curious and get involved and then it went out to a wider audience and, you know, it just started to really really totally evolve and people started to feel the benefits so that, that immediate feedback to me was just the the sign and the cue to keep going so and this really would have been at a time when nobody was talking about gut health or nobody was talking about fermenting food or probiotics so definitely at a time whenever i sounded a bit crazy yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) now it's a little bit more part of the lingo but definitely seven years ago I was. Well, you're a pioneer for sure. <laughs> um, and so you've been you've been big lunching since 2017. Then yes. What what was it about the big lunch that appealed to Even you? Even before, actually. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, well, we. I would have always been kind of part of community projects. Uh, actually, my work before this was involved with community arts and you know yeah. helping to run different projects. Um, so I came across it. Um, I'd heard about the uh, the Eden Project in Cornwall. Um, there was somehow my radar the opportunity to go over. Um, I'd started to hear about big lunches happening. Um, and as a neighbourhood, we kind of had already started to gel together a little bit anyway. You know, there would have been... There would have been that comfort of going and asking for something or if you were locked out, you could go to somebody's house and wait, you know. So um, this just seemed like a very easy thing to do, whereas I know certain people certainly were in the city of Belfast may have not had such an obviously easy route um, just with the the situation there and the, the political issues sometimes. Um, so when I when it came on my radar, it was an immediate. I think everybody was well up for a party, 
Um, so the first one was a huge success and we had gathered people from, we had actually moved to this new neighbourhood. It was quite close to the old area. So we were able to pull together two mm. neighbourhoods really, really easily. Oh, great. Yeah. And was everyone on board with that? Place? Everyone was on board. We yeah. were getting the tables and turrets from like the local the church hall. Somebody else was bringing gazebos. Somebody else was, you know, bringing the food. Somebody else was bringing their friends. I mean, you know, it was just one of, one of those. People may have known each other independently, but that opportunity for everybody to get mm. together was really quite special. Yeah, everybody it, was really keen. It sounds yeah. like your community was already quite close to begin with. Then, so I think there were little. There were definitely links mm. within that bigger picture of um, you know I suppose neighbours getting along it's it's an area I, probably a unique area in Northern Ireland where people don't care about sure. the about all the issues that other people seem to place sure. value on so it's like they try harder to just to try and not care you know yeah. to, to make it make it that it doesn't matter where you're from it doesn't matter mm. We're all living in an area. It's a nice area. We want it to continue to be a nice area. So, being nice to each other is yeah. really fundamental to yeah. that. Yeah. And with with what you've been doing then with the fermented food, have you been able to sort of incorporate that into yes. big lunches? Yeah, absolutely. The first one, you know, there was uh, the first one. I would have had a lot of stuff ready um, just by nature. You know, one thing that I do is make. A lot of drinks that are fizzy and mm. they're they're probiotic, but they're you know you, it's hard to believe you're actually drinking something healthy for you because they're they're sweet and they're sure. fizzy and you know they could be like uh, a lemonade or yeah, yeah. whatever. So I had a lot of those prepared, and um, I think that added a really interesting quality to it because people were curious and were kind of happy to not drink. The Coke or the Seven Up, mm. or you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of uh, different tastes come to the table. Sure. Um, but people were really curious, and then it started conversations, and um, and year by year, it's just kind of built on that. Like I'll bring something new, yeah, the next year, and then um, yeah, people they just they're curious and they want to they Do want you, to have try. You got it. anything up your sleeve for what you're going to bring this year? Yeah, well, I've been playing about with lots of different fermented sauces and stuff. So I think the rec most recent one was a fermented chili mayo, which oh, wow. was really nice. Yeah, that does yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> you know, there's those that there's those that are definitely interested. Uh, I would have people because I would be known as a food advocate and a, and a kind of food educator there's people who sneak into our big lunches that aren't necessarily oh, from really? the neighborhood <laughs> just to see what's going travels. on as well amazing <laughs> but um i think yeah i i like to play about with all these different sure. different types and for those that might not be into it they're curious you know yeah. they, they want to know and and then those that don't want to know want to try, but just don't want the don't want the don't want the spiel. The spiel. Yeah. yeah, they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Everybody else is having it, I'll have it, which is totally brilliant. Yeah, yeah. as long as people are getting involved. Yeah, um, Deborah, thank you for coming to see us. My pleasure. So, I mean, that super interesting. But does does fermentation make food probiotic? That's something I don't really know a lot about. No, me neither. I mean, look, the first time I spoke to Devla, I was sort of a bit like, ugh. You know, fermented rotten foods. It, 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 you know, it doesn't. 
I think you're initially you've got to get over that hurdle. Um, but as Dervla said in her interview, that you know there are so many great health benefits to eating to eating probiotic foods through fermentation. Have um, you ever eaten any fermented foods? Not intentionally. No. No. I, yeah, <laughs> I might have had some baked beans that might have been out of date in my university days, but <laughs> needs must. But yeah, I no, remember when um, uh, I was back in my odd bins days. There was a, a beer. A fermented beer that was made by uh, Belgian Trappist monks. <laughs> and you could age this beer. So I bought one uh, on my last shift on Christmas Eve a few years ago. And I, I put it in my parents' cupboard right at the mm. back and waited a whole year for it to age a year. And then drank it the following uh, following Christmas. Well, Christmas, I love it. And it, it was, no, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> what about food? Have you had any problems? Not that I know of, no. Yeah. But she did mention um, some fermented chili mayo, which I thought sounded quite nice. Yeah, and for, for listeners out there who were lucky enough to, um, to get their big lunch pack, um, one of the recipe cards includes um, one of Dervla's recipes. It was the fermented tomato salsa. That's right. Um, so, which, which looks super, super tasty. Well, I mean, to be honest, we, you know, we probably should have asked her all these questions while we had it. <laughs> you live, you learn. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Hopefully, if she's listening, hello, Dervla, if you're listening, uh, if you want to send us some of that fermented chili mayo, Jack and myself will, will gladly oblige. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always after freebie here at the Eden Project Communities podcast. Um, so for anyone listening, just send us free stuff. <laughs> uh, so moving on to our next case study. Um, back during the first week of the Big Lunch Community Walk, um, Steve and myself were lucky enough to get out on the road and join our walkers en route. Um, for myself, I went along to Bista, um, while still Stevie headed to South Wales. Uh, Neath, was it? Yeah, to Neath. Okay, uh, where he met the folks at Ethel Street Fan. Ethel Street F A N. Uh, Stevie, what was that? What was that like? Uh, that was that was great. Um, it was sort of a last minute arrangement that I was going to go and go and see Sean and Katie at, uh, with Team Wales, but unfortunately Katie was ill. But Ethel Street, I mean, there's not you know, it was nothing really special about it. It was just a community group based on a, a street in Neath. But I, I remember, I, I, you know, I t- within five minutes of turning up in town, I was in some lady's house, petting some dogs and watching children play. And just the sense of community there was, was really evident. The ladies, I can't remember her name for the life of me, I do apologise. Um, but the, um, the woman whose house it was, she said that the door's always open to people. Brilliant. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of let people in and out as, as, and come and go as they please. And they, what they'd actually done was they'd got a piece of land um, that was just at the one end of the street. And I think I mentioned it before, where if you walk past it and you looked at it, it looked just like a regular vacant lot. But what they'd done with it was they'd turned it into sort of a sustainable community garden. Mm. And um, that was really cool. And while I was there, I was, I was really lucky enough to catch up with one of the main figures of the group, uh, Emma Knight. Um, I mean, it was a busy day and it's, it's only a short interview, but she was able to give us a sort of real flavour about what the Ethel Street group do and what they're all about. My name's Emma Knight and you're in Ethel Street. And what do I do? Everything. Um, I'm the general dog's body. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so th- this has been going for longer than the big lunch, what you've been doing? Yeah, we started 2008 and I think the big lunch started 2009. What gave you the idea? I wanted a Halloween party. Yeah. And um, I tried to do it a bit kind of bigger and better each year. And I 
I'd run out of things I could do in my house and I was like okay let's move on to the street let's do a street party instead so yeah yeah and did that started knocking doors was that sort of well received (laughs) initially no no (laughs) (laughs) no people um they uh, go around and knock the doors and say, oh, I want to do a street party for Halloween. And we had a lot of, uh, no, people don't do street parties anymore and people aren't interested and people don't want to be bothered and I don't do Halloween. And uh, are you sure that's a really good day to pick it? Don't the police have a lot of problems that day? <laughs> um, and there was a lot of negativity, but uh, we kind of just kept going, kept pushing on and um, everybody came out in fancy dress, minus four degrees, had a whale of a time. <laughs> <laughs> and so did, well, did it sort of grow every year or did it... Was it sort of fluctuating? Um, the things we've done have grown. Yeah. But, like, the size of the big lunch and things like that has fluctuated. Yeah. Um, I mean, from that first one, everything just kind of snowballed because we had the first street party and then it was, like, meals out as a community, workshops as community, um, Christmas party, uh, summer trips, Christmas trips now. And it, it was just, like, more and more stuff all the time. Yeah. But obviously... I mean, people come and go and things change, but, yeah, it's, it's still kind of snowballing. I mean, at the moment in the house, we've got, like, a bunch of new people that mm. have joined the committee and joined our team, and it's it's different things that we're doing now because before it was maybe older people were the ones that were um, not doing the most necessarily, but they were the most... Proactive. In, proactive, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the word. Um, so they were the most proactive, so we'd have a lot of things for older people. Sure. Um, whereas at the moment now, we've got loads of young families that are involved, so there's a lot... It's much more kid-focused at the mm. moment. We also had a youth group as well, so um, they kind of ran their own things, their own events. They got a circus going. Yeah. Not going at the moment, but uh, they're tweaking things now, so they're looking at community cinemas and things like that instead. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, there was there was a gap in that because obviously the ones that were with us when we started off, they'd grown up, and then there was a gap in ages. It was like you had the older ones and the younger ones, and they worked well together, and then it got to a point the older ones had moved away or gone to college, started working, and they didn't have enough time to put in. Mm and the younger ones were still too young to be running things so it kind of stopped but now the younger ones have got that little bit older and yeah. a little bit more confident and now they're looking to kind of give it a big yeah. kick and restart it so and how have you felt it's sort of brought the, the, like, the community together community um, well you just you know that if you've got a problem you can knock on somebody's door and that you've got help there and it's, it's like one big family I mean families don't always get on and it's the same same with us True. Um, but you just know that you've if you need something that got it there yeah. yeah and was that not something that you felt oh god no no it wasn't there before <laughs> no when I first moved in um, I probably knew I knew Irene because she was my mother-in-law yeah. and obviously Dawn was her best friend so I knew like two of the neighbours and I could hear my next door neighbour through the wall that was probably <laughs> that was probably about it I didn't know anybody else um, and they didn't trust me at all they oh, really? really really didn't trust me but um, I think I proved myself now yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, you've got you've acquired the hall around the corner, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, community centre. Tell, so, tell us about that. Okay, so I think that's now three years ago yeah. we managed to get a lease from the council. Um, so 25-year lease and we did it up because I mean, I think the general consensus with the council was that they were going to tear it down. Mm. Um, it got into a really bad state and they figured nobody would want it. And we were like, no, no, we're desperate for a space. Because every time we held an event that was too big for Irene's house, yeah. um, we literally had to... It, it felt like you were moving home because you would have to take all of your stuff to a location somewhere set it up in a couple of hours, do your event, and then whip it down and take it back again. Yeah. And it was really hard going. And obviously more and more events coming on all the time, so we just we were crying out for a space. So um, 
yeah, when we realised we could have that wine, it was like, oh no, don't do that, we want it, we want it. <laughs> and what do you, you just use that for literally everything? Everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's like a second home for most people now. Amazing. So, uh, yeah. And is there any sort of... I've big... only slept there once. Oh, really? Yeah, with the big lunch. <laughs> is, there, um, is there any sort of big plans for it for the future? Um, yeah, well, at the moment we're um, we're putting a grant bid together and we're fundraising to be able to take, it's got an asbestos roof, yeah. um, so we're looking to take the roof off and have a new one put on, solar panels and air conditioning because it gets really, really hot in, yeah. the, oven, uh, in the oven. It's like an oven, <laughs> like an oven in the summer. So if we, if anyone wanted to sort of see this on, on social or if you've got anything you want to plug, where, where would we find that? You can find us on Facebook. You can search for Fan Community Alliance or the Friends and Neighbours Centre. Um, if you are someone that is already kind of involved and coming along to things, then we've got a, a members, well, it's not really members, members and supporters group called Fan Club. Um, again, on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. And I can't remember what it's That's called. That's okay, we'll add that in afterwards. Yeah, add that in. <laughs> and we're on Instagram as well. If you ask Louise, she'll be able to give you the details for that one. Brilliant. That's great. Okay. Thank Good. you so much. Uh, so there we have it. The whole thing began over a Halloween party. Can you imagine that? I mean, there are worse excuses to get together with your neighbours, but it really goes to show that once there is a reason, and, and we do mean any reason to get together, then um, some really good things can happen. Great. Well, look, we'll leave it there for today. I think that's. A, I think that is a podcast. Um, for all our listeners out there, don't forget, if you haven't already, to subscribe uh, on iTunes, on Stitcher and on Acast. If you've liked what you've heard, please give us a rating and a review. Um, I know we say this every week, but it really does help us reach more people. So get on there and give us some five stars. Um, So thank you again for joining us this week. Uh, We'll be back next Friday with the penultimate episode of the show in which we'll be talking about this year's Big Lunch. So keep your ears and eyes open for that. See you next week. See you, Stevie. Bye-bye.